a Bitcoin. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you guys about Mayor Jason Sewer. This is an absolutely incredible interview I just had with a young mover and shaker in the world on this planet in the United States. Jason Stewart is an environmentalist. He is an entrepreneur and he is now, as of 2020, the mayor of Cool Valley, Missouri. And he's doing some really awesome things. He is a Bitcoiner at heart. He is getting onto Twitter and I think he's absolutely going to blow up on the Bitcoin scene. The man is doing some incredible stuff here in the United States. The thing that made him go viral is it became known that he is going to be airdropping $500 of Bitcoin onto all of the residents and citizens of Cool Valley, Missouri. And again, I just had an absolute pleasure talking to him. We talked about Bitcoin. We talked about what he's doing as mayor. We talked about his story, we talked about where Bitcoin can take humanity and why he is doing what he is doing. You're going to really enjoy this one. Let's just get right into it. Bitcoiners, I'm sitting across from Jason Stewart, the mayor of Cool Valley, Missouri, not to be mistaken for Cool Valley, Ohio, but it's Cool Valley, Missouri. He's wearing an awesome freaking Grateful Dead t-shirt and he's going to airdrop Bitcoin to to his citizens. And I'm kind of trying to get to know this guy. So I'm just going to turn it over to you, Jason. Welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Excited to learn about your Bitcoin story and your story in general. Thank you so much for having me. I'm beyond thrilled to be talking to like my favorite magazine right now. <laughs> you guys are doing fantastic work in this space and I really appreciate what you're doing. So thank you for having me. I'm really happy to, to be here and have this conversation. Well, that means a lot to that you said that about, you know, what Bitcoin Magazine is doing. We're just trying to be true to Bitcoin. So and get the best Bitcoiners into the limelight. So I guess why don't we turn it back to you? Who is Jason Stewart? How did you get into Bitcoin? How did you become a mayor of a small unknown town? Just let's start from there. So Jason Stewart is a group of atoms working together in human form. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm an entrepreneur turned environmentalist, really. I've only been a mayor for about one year, maybe one year and four months, I think. So before this, I spent the last five years actually cleaning the ocean. That's my big passion is environmental restoration, habitat restoration, wildlife rescue. That's my big passion in life is just really trying to make earth better from an environmental standpoint. So I started off as an entrepreneur and I ended up moving more towards like the, the justice end of my work and kind of turning my business into a nonprofit. And yeah, but now I'm the mayor of Cool Valley, which is totally unexpected for me. If you would have asked me two years ago, would I be the mayor here? I would say absolutely not. I have no interest in running. I have no interest in being in politics, anything like that. But the timing just sort of worked out where I saw some problems in my city and I felt like I actually was the best person to tackle those problems. So I decided to run and luckily that worked out. And here I am today. Okay. So how did you go from cleaning oceans to living in Cool Valley? Were you born in Cool Valley? Like what's kind of your history with Cool Valley? Yeah, I'm from here, born and raised here. And I just kind of moved around after high school. I went to college in Miami and that led me to moving out to Los Angeles after college. And after that, I moved to San Francisco to work in tech and do my entrepreneurial thing. So I've been traveling around since after high school graduation. And it was just a serendipitous trip back home that got me living back here again. I came back to help out a family member with a medical emergency. And when I came home, I noticed a lot of changes in my city that I wasn't necessarily happy with the way things were going. And that sort of inspired my desire to serve in this position was coming back from my traveling and feeling like my city wasn't moving in the best direction. So can you just give us the year just to frame it? You, you said you've been a mayor for about one year. So you started in 2020. When did you kind of like come back to Cool Valley and just say like, whoa, something needs to change? Let's see. So it would have been the end of 2019, like 
October of 2019 was when I came back home. And I think it was that same month where I decided that I wanted to run for mayor. I remember sitting in my friend's backyard and we were talking about the problems going on in our city. And I just said, hey, man, I'm going to run for mayor. I'm going to fix this. Like, we got to do something or we're not going to have a city anymore. And, you know, he probably just thought that was a drunken ramble. Maybe I did, too. But the idea just sounded like something I should do. It was a pivot in my life. It was something completely different for me. But instinctually, it just felt right. So the only other person that I've heard that has pretty much just made that same proclamation is Parker Lewis of Unchained Capital. I don't know if you follow him much, but if I not, know you got absolute legend. He lives in Austin and he wasn't very happy with things, how things were going. He was making a pretty strong push in the local elections this past year. I think he got a lot of things that he wanted, but he was just saying like, if we can't get this fixed, I'm running for mayor. Like that's the only, like I'm not letting Austin go. So he definitely, I don't think he, that he actually put it into action. Here you are actually mayor. So I'm kind of curious, environmentalist, entrepreneur, young guy, you know, went to the university of Miami and now you're mayor of the city. What's that like? And what's been your agenda? I'm kind of curious, like what motivated you to kind of like pivot your life? I mean, what has it been like being mayor? It's uniquely challenging in a way that nothing I've ever done in my life before this was. The scope of responsibility is so broad. You know, the amount of problems that you have to look at, you can't just stay focused on one or two issues like you might as an entrepreneur where you're building a business around solving a few problems. There are so many problems to address and there are so many just different responsibilities. So it's broad. It's a really broad experience. It's very, I don't know, it pushes the best out of me because it forces me to grow, to take on these monster challenges that we have. And it's exciting at the same time because I actually have the ability to take on these challenges. You know, I can't, it's not just talking anymore about these are my ideas and I sure wish somebody would implement these ideas. It's like, these are my ideas and they're happening. They can all happen. Most of them can. So it's really exciting to be a mayor. I enjoy it. I'm honored that they chose me. And I'm just so just blessed and humbled by the opportunity to even have this job. So I guess I want to hear a little bit more about your agenda. Like what really motivated you to become a mayor? What are some of the things that you're trying to implement? Yeah, I mean, the core of most of the things that I do, I would say are based around the idea of reversing a previous harm that was done, whether that harm be to the environment or in the justice system. If I see something that I felt like was anything that's just been wrong and we have a chance to reverse that. So a lot of just reversing wrongs and increasing freedoms, like that's a really big thing for me to protect the environment, which is my biggest passion. But in terms of government, it's kind of trying to stay out of people's way, letting them have the best life possible enabling them to get the resources to do what they need to do. You know, my, my citizens, my residents, I just believe in empowering them and staying away from their lives whenever I can. And if I am going to step into your life as a government figure to only be adding something beneficial for you. So some of the things that I've worked on, the first big, I'd say, victory of my term has been legalizing cannabis and psilocybin mushrooms. For me, that was a really important thing to do to not just address criminal justice reform and some of the wrongs that have been committed there with people being locked up for nothing, but also showing my general support for plant-based medicines is something that I'm passionate about, like natural healing and healing of the world and using the world to heal us. So that was like my first, I would say, major accomplishment was changing the way that we handle cannabis laws in Cool Valley. And since then, I've been working on this Bitcoin thing. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. I'm sure that's why you want to talk to me today. And that is a huge passion of mine. Bitcoin, I mean, I'm so in love with Bitcoin and the community and why it exists, the problem that it solves, how it goes about solving that problem. I'm just in awe of Bitcoin and I just love it so much. And I see it as something that can really help out our city and our residents here. So that's mostly what I'm working on these days and a few other things, some economic redevelopment and some things like that that are coming down the pipeline as well. 
Okay. Very interesting. There's a lot of different things that we could tease out, but I feel like we need to just go into your Bitcoin story. Like how did you discover Bitcoin? How did it kind of align with your environmentalism? Because I definitely think that there's a large cohort of environmentalists who are like, oh, Bitcoin's bad. It uses too much energy. So you're going to give it back to you, man. What's your take on, or like, how did you get into Bitcoin and how does it fit into the environment? Well, I've been into Bitcoin since 2015. I used to work for a tech startup and we were essentially virtual personal assistants for very wealthy clients. And one of the coolest things I noticed at this startup was we let our clients pay us in Bitcoin. This was all the way back in 2015. We just set up like a a wallet and we had certain clients who would say, hey, can you book me a private jet? Can you buy me a television? Can you send me an Uber or whatever? And they would literally just send us, would take the Bitcoin from their wallet and put it into the company's wallet. And I thought that was really cool, but I wasn't exposed to, you know, the technology behind it or the reason it exists. I just thought, hey, this is cool internet money and I'm really happy to know about it. And recently is when I think my education got a lot deeper, discovering a community of Bitcoiners who can actually educate me and spend time with me to understanding the ethos and like why it actually exists and how it goes about solving these problems. And from that education, my passion grew and grew from thinking, hey, this is cool internet money and I'm excited to use it to this is one of the most fundamentally exciting innovations that humanity has ever created, right? We've gone through so many revolutions as humans. We've gone through the agricultural revolution. Then there's the industrial revolution. Then there's the, you know, like kind of software revolution. Software starts eating the world. And now we're at this, this meeting point of software and money. And we have this financial revolution and it's so important. Like it is so important that people understand what Bitcoin is and what it can do for the world and what it's already doing for the world. So that's where my passion started to develop was just being in a community of Bitcoiners and educating myself more. In terms of the environment, I think that I would say one of my personal missions in life is to destroy the fear, uncertainty, and doubt of Bitcoin and its effect on the environment. I just believe that the energy usage is worth it. It's one of the most worthwhile things humans have ever created. It doesn't use that much energy and it's just, it's worth it. And further than that, it's actually accelerating the advancement of renewable energy from solar to even like flared gas mining. There's so many cool things these miners are doing to to make money, but also choosing the most renewable, cheapest form of energy. So I see Bitcoin as an opportunity to kind of transform our energy grid for the better. And that's why as an environmentalist, Bitcoin means a lot to me. And I don't see it as harmful for the environment like you know, certain other politicians or other people do. Wow. I mean, that's amazing, especially coming from someone in your position to you know try to communicate and educate against what you've already kind of learned. I'm kind of curious, what was your education process like recently? You know, was it through Twitter? Like, you know, it sounds like you read Bitcoin Magazine, but can you talk yeah. a little bit about what helped you get up to speed and, you know, what was it like interacting with the Bitcoin community? Yeah, mostly like reading, reading a lot of the different influencers in the space. But for me, it's been Clubhouse. Like, I don't know if you're on Clubhouse or not, but the Bitcoin community there is strong and, and passionate and friendly and accepting. So I feel that that's been my best education resource has been sitting with people on Clubhouse for, I mean, sometimes eight hours a day, like really, really diving as deep into this as I possibly can. I think there was a six month period where I was trying to learn about Bitcoin probably for at least five to six hours a day, every single day for like six months. And I feel like that's when things really changed from me thinking this is cool internet money to understanding that once again, this is one of the best most important inventions of humanity. Yeah, I think I put out a tweet today. I just said that like Bitcoin is going to pull the poorest people out of destitution and it's going to protect the world from manipulation. And that's why I focus on it because like it's it's changing, it's changing these fundamental things that it's just going to be, it's almost like the cornerstone of like a new level of society. But that's a very difficult thing to communicate to people. And to some degree, you kind of actually have to experience Bitcoin yourself. You have to hold it yourself. You have to learn about it yourself. You have to be interested in it yourself. 
to fully have that brain blast. I'm curious, how do you actually talk to your constituents about this? Like when you bring up your Bitcoin ideas and like the way that you think you can get Bitcoin into the hands of your citizens and the people living in your city, what's that challenge like? And how do you not come off as like, oh, I'm this like super exuberant, crazy person or whatever, but I'm actually saying something that is like real. Yeah. I probably come off as an exuberant, crazy person for sure. (laughs) But I think, I don't know, I, I think my people here trust me. And that's a big factor going into having these conversations. Sometimes they might not understand everything I'm saying in that moment, but they do know me and they trust me and my leadership. So they're very open to the ideas that I have. A lot of the ideas that I'm pushing through are things that I told them I was going to do. Like if I have a legacy as a mayor, hopefully it's just a bunch of promises being delivered. That's been the story of this term. So none of my residents were too surprised to hear that I was going to do something like this. But to your point, how do I actually discuss this with them? It's tough sometimes. You know, we've got a wide age range of people here. And I noticed that with my younger residents, people around my age, most of them already have Bitcoin. And if they don't have it, they're thinking about getting it. So the opportunity to get off zero is something that people are actually excited about. And in terms of my older residents, they are excited about it. They just really don't understand it yet, but they're not apprehensive. They don't think it's a bad thing. They think that it's good. They just don't have that education yet. But I just talk to them and try to explain what it's done for my life and what I believe it could do for their life. And most people here are pretty smart and they tend to start picking it up fairly quickly, quicker than you might think. All right, Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. This show is brought to you by Ledin.io. I have been super, super impressed with the guys over at Ledin. I've actually known the co-founders, Adam and Mauricio, for a very long time. I've had the pleasure to watch them build Ledin up from a tiny, tiny startup to now a super impressive institutional grade Bitcoin and crypto lender. Y'all. I'm so impressed with these guys. They are offering some of the best rates out there. I don't think anyone even comes close to touching them. You can get 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin that you deposit into Ledin interest accounts, and you can get 8.5% on USDC deposits. I mean, I know all the competitors. They're not even close. If you're going to put your crypto and your Bitcoin into an interest account, Ledin is by far the best. And on top of that, like I said, these guys are hardcore Bitcoiners and they know the products and the services that Bitcoiners want and appreciate. They come up with B2X. It allows you to put your Bitcoin in, they leverage it up, and you can, with one click of the mouse, get twice the exposure to Bitcoin. So if you're super bullish, Ledin has you covered with a super, super easy way to get leverage with B2X. And then on top of that, they know that Bitcoiners care about your reserves. They know that Bitcoiners don't like under-reserved and not full-reserved financial institutions. So they are pushing the frontier in transparency in the digital asset lending space. And they are the first digital asset lender to do a full proof of reserves and proof of attestation through a Mariano LLC, a public accounting firm. So the letting guys, they know what Bitcoiners like. They are legit. I encourage you guys to check them out. Do your own research and go to ledin.io. That is L-E-D-N.io and learn more. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about The Deep Dive. The Deep Dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium market intelligence newsletter. This is a no-fluff, hard-hitting, incredible newsletter going deep into the market, helping you understand what's happening with derivatives, what's happening on-chain, what's happening in macro, what's happening with the narrative, and what's happening with the tech. My man Dylan LeClaire is an absolute savant. He is making his name known in the Bitcoin community, getting shout-outs left and right, getting on podcasts left and right, and him and his team are bringing you everything that you need to know about Bitcoin. You don't even have to be on Bitcoin Twitter. You can ignore every other newsletter. This is the newsletter to rule them all. Go over to members.bitcoinmagazine.com. Sign up today. And if you use promo code macro, you get a full month for free. You have nothing to lose. What are you waiting for? Sign up, see the incredible work that Dylan and his team are putting out. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. You don't pay a dime. But if you do, you know, it's going to be well worth the sats in investment in understanding Bitcoin and gaining the confidence to continue to invest in Bitcoin and making the right moves 
around Bitcoin. And it's going to be well worth every single Satoshi. Again, can't recommend it enough. That is members.bitcoinmagazine.com, promo code MACRO. Do it today. So I'm curious to hear what your, your actual talk tracks are. What has it done to your life? Like, what has adopting Bitcoin been like for you? It's just been a blessing for me to be able to hold this asset. Obviously, financially, it's exciting to see your gains year after year when you do hold on to Bitcoin. But it's given me a new way of thinking about humanity in the future. It's given me a hope and an optimism that we can overcome some of the worst parts of the system that we were born into and actually create a future exactly how we want it to be. So there's a certain level of hope and optimism that I get from Bitcoin and being a part of this, I guess, revolution, if you want to call it that. I feel like my residents here are somewhat excited about the more they learn about it. But I also pitch it as just an appreciating asset. So if people aren't really sold on, hey, we need a financial revolution, most people still want an asset that goes up over time especially out here in Cool Valley. I'm sure it's like that everywhere else. So pitching it like that works pretty well. And around here, people say, if you're going to help me get some money or some digital gold, they're generally just for it. So give us some details about the Bitcoin initiative that you're trying to push. Like, what are the specifics around it? How much Bitcoin are you trying to give to each resident? Like, what are the qualifications? All that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to expose every household to at least $1,000 in Bitcoin. I would like that number to actually go higher because what I'm noticing is the more I talk about it, the more support comes along. So maybe that number could go higher. But at a minimum, I would like people to get $1,000 of Bitcoin exposure uh, into their household. It will be unlocked after a five-year vesting period. I really want them to understand the value of holding this amazing asset. So there's going to be a five-year vesting period to unlock it. And there are going to be a few requirements to get it. Right now, there's going to be an education requirement. And we're working with some incredible partners on the education component. So as you sort of like complete your education, you get closer and closer to accessing your Bitcoin. And there's going to be a community good around it. Like you have to do one good thing for the community. And we're leaving that extremely broad so that the residents can define it in a million different ways. Everyone's got a different gift. Some people might pick up some trash from time to time. Some people might donate some artwork to the city. Some people might come to volunteer on one of our like special volunteer days, but doing one social good for the city of Cool Valley. So I want to tie it into holding your Bitcoin, living in Cool Valley during the period that you're holding your Bitcoin. We want to keep people here and doing a social good. How do you think of this idea? When did it like become something that you started making public? It sounded like you know, it could have been part of your campaign for being mayor in the first place, but I'm kind of curious. You just seem like such a, this is such a remarkable story in general, and it's amazing to see Bitcoin just weave its way through it. It's, it's incredible what's going on. I would say, man, when did I come up with this publicly? I've been thinking about it for a while. So when I ran for office, the idea that I told people was that I'm going to help our city economically in whatever way is best. It wasn't about Bitcoin necessarily, but it was that I'm going to take a look at our city's finances, both the government and the residents, and do what I can to make sure both of those situations increase, that they're better because of my time here. And from thinking about ways to accomplish that, exposing my entire city to Bitcoin, to me, is like the best way. It's like the most obvious and intelligent choice in terms of doing this. You know, you can just give people cash, but it's not going to appreciate It'll probably depreciate as inflation goes up, but we can give people a small amount of money that turns into, you know, more for them. So Bitcoin to me was really just the best way to solve this problem. And I just don't remember the first time I said something about it. Like it came out of my mouth on Clubhouse one day. And <laughs> from there, I just started focusing on it. Uh, I was just having a back and forth discussion with my friend uh, Lamar Wilson, actually, and we were just tossing about ideas and we started talking about this Bitcoin trust that maybe we could have a trust for a city where each resident has access to this trust. And from there, I just got obsessed with the idea and started working on it right away. I love the idea of part of it is like, you have to stay in the city. We're moving into this like world, you know, I love the sovereign individual, but this world of like geographic choice 
and the ability to move around jurisdictions. And an amazing thing about the U.S. is that it kind of already has that inside of its own little bubble. You know, what are cities going to do to innovate to make a difference? What are they going to do to continue to attract people to come and be competitive? And I think like this idea of like a Bitcoin trust or, you know, you stay here for 10 years and you get this little sum of money. It's very interesting, especially if it's denominated in PTC, because it's going to go up in value, right? Like that's that's what you can kind of expect because of the number go up technology. But I love this idea. And I just wanted to comment on that. Yeah, it's cool. It's definitely going up in value. So this interview that I did, I guess, went viral. I think I predicted like a 500000 price point, and I felt so bearish. <laughs> like I can't tell you how bearish I felt. That was my conservative estimate to just like, you know, not scare people away while I'm talking so they don't think I'm too crazy. But I for sure see Bitcoin going extremely high. It's just, it's too fundamental. <laughs> like it's too important. It's too inevitable at this point. And yeah, my 500K prediction was mostly just, I think once it surpasses gold market cap, it's going to be right around there. So it's for sure going to surpass gold, right? <laughs> like it's, there's no way it's not. So we'll see what it does after that. So I was hosting a Twitter spaces. I'm not on Clubhouse that much, but I love to do Twitter spaces. I'm a, I'm a Twitter addict, but I've been hosting these Twitter spaces called Cosmic Bitcoin. And I just try to like encourage people to get cosmic about Bitcoin and to think about like, okay, what's the second? what's the third and fourth order effects? Like what happens if that happens, right? So I'm kind of curious, like it sounds like you're a cosmic individual. Let's zoom forward in Cool Valley in, you know, the real case scenario, your base case. Like what does five years of locked up Bitcoin look like and mean to the citizens that actually stayed and earned it? You know, it'll probably mean different things to different people, what it becomes. So let's say that it touches 500,000. Let's just say it touches that. So it's not going to be a life-changing amount of money, right? The original news story kind of shortened our conversation to say that I want to make everybody rich. Of course I do, but I understand that this isn't going to be like the money that changes your whole world and now you never have to work again. But for people who live sort of like this middle-class lifestyle, maybe slightly below middle-class working their way up there, it can just be a really nice nest egg. It could be Let's say we have a young entrepreneur, you know, it could be a little bit of seed money for him to try his next e-commerce website. It could mean that the lady across the street finally has, you know, a little bit more money so she can take out a home improvement loan to fix her roof or something like that. It could just mean another investment for some people to continue holding. Hopefully they don't sell it after five years. You know, they just keep holding it forever and we'll see what it turns into for them. But that's the cool thing about Bitcoin. It means so many different things to so many different people, depending on where you're at in life and what you need out of life in that moment. But I do know that they will have more than they had when I got here. I can't definitely. And I definitely think that that's, you know, really online with like, you know, sound money is just an overall good thing. And when money works right, it gives you optionality. I'm going to rephrase my question because, you know, I do want to get like a, a cosmic view into what you think Bitcoin does to the world. But what's your, when you think of like, wow, what's the potential of this thing? Like hyper Bitcoinization, the revolution of the energy grid, freedom being a baseline thing for a hundred percent of people on the planet, if possible, like, yeah, so like, where do you think this goes? And like, maybe what do you experience in your lifetime? What do you think is like kind of like the height of that? I mean, we will see like what's happening in El Salvador is exciting, right? <laughs> Seeing that just being a beginning step for where this could go with more countries eventually coming on board. Will we ever get to a true Bitcoin standard? Like Bitcoin as the world reserve currency in my lifetime? I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd be pretty cool if it does. There are so many external factors that it's just hard to predict exactly where it goes. There's just so many factors at play and so much of the future is actually unwritten. Now, you know, it depends on who's in power at that time, how do people feel at that time? Like there's a lot of factors in play, but when we think about what Bitcoin could do for the world, I love when Jack Dorsey says world peace. <laughs> Did you hear him say that? That was just inspiring to me. I'm not quite sure that it's going to do that, but could it? <laughs> like, I guess it could. And the fact that so many smart people think that really excites me. Um, I would love to see it push us towards peace. But at bare minimum, it's going to push us towards more freedom, just people having more freedom in what they do with their time and with their money. And that's the ultimate thing for me. If you can give people 
control over their time and better control over their assets. I just think that's so good for society. It could mean like people in Venezuela not having to take piles of money this big to go buy milk. You know what I mean? With this hyperinflation that's going on. So it just means so many different things for so many different people. We don't know exactly what the end game is going to be. But for me, I'm hoping to see Bitcoin accelerate the adoption of renewable energy. I'm hoping to see Bitcoin capture a lot of the lost energy that goes into our energy grids, a lot of the wasted energy to make our energy systems more efficient. And I'm hoping to see it lift a bunch of people out of poverty as well. That's awesome. I mean, I love that idea. And I, I, I pretty much align with you. You know, I feel like you're the way that you think about the energy component and the freedom component is like, that's, those are like kind of the cornerstones of Bitcoin. What are your thoughts on the freedom side of things, right? You know, you're trying to make your citizens, it sounds like more free, you're trying to remove kind of government overhang, you're trying to say we made mistakes and correct those mistakes. That's not something that's super common in uh, the United States these days amongst politicians. I think we're we're kind of like going backwards into this big government overreaching, even panopticon kind of mode globally and even in the U.S. You know, what's your take on what's happening on a, on a bigger scale? How do we push back on that? On a larger scale, it concerns me, the, the size of governments around the world and their increasing authority and their ever increasing reach into every aspect of people's lives. What concerns me right now is seeing some of the things that are going on in Australia with their intense, intense COVID lockdowns. Like it is scary thinking how closely they track their people and how much freedom that they had to give up for a little bit of safety. Also what's going on in Canada kind of concerns me with I just think these governments are getting too big and too powerful. It was never really how our founding fathers envisioned our country being. And I'm very, very concerned that the size of government is becoming too big. I don't think government is inherently bad. Politically, I'm an independent. My views might be sort of libertarian, but I'm a true independent. And I don't think government's bad. Government has its place and it can be a good for society. But it's gotten to the point where I don't know. It's very threatening to a lot of people. A lot of people feel very threatened by the size of our government. And I would say I'm in line with that. I feel like we have to do something to curtail that power. Otherwise, we could be looking at a very uncomfortable future. I mean, we're seeing a lot of politicians, a lot of mayors. I've had two mayors on this show, senators, Congress people come out in favor of Bitcoin, come out pushing back against a lot of this stuff. But for the most part, it does look kind of bleak to me. I'm kind of curious, like, do you keep tabs beyond like your local politics? What's your involvement? And is there a positive way forward with like Bitcoin within government as kind of a way to like Trojan horse some freedom within the system? I like that. Let's Trojan horse some freedom up in here, man. (laughs) I'm definitely about that. Yeah, I pay attention to the national scene a little. I'm mostly laser focused on Cool Valley right now. I'm in year two of a four year engagement here. And I sort of promised these people that they would have my full attention and they do. So most of the things that I deal with, I try to keep it very, very local. Like what is affecting these 1500 people here and not always looking at the grander scheme, but I do pay attention. I pay attention to what's going on in presidential politics and higher level politics. And I'm optimistic for Bitcoin, even though we have, you know, senators like Elizabeth Warren constantly pushing this environmental FUD, this fear, uncertainty, and doubt about the environment. She's kind of winning allies. I don't think that that's the majority of Americans. And I also don't think that it's the majority of American politicians. I think in the long run, America is going to actually get behind this. And I see maybe what's happening here in Cool Valley as the beginning of that, since it seems to be the first time this is really going on. But hopefully we lay down a blueprint that other governments can follow. So for me, I believe that change happens faster on a small scale, like in a town like mine of 1500 people, I can make a much bigger change than trying to rally Congress to deal with hundreds of members of Congress and also then having to get through the Senate and then having to get the president's approval to make these small changes. But on a local level, I think that Bitcoin adoption is going to speed up in our local government. I believe that people will be inspired by what we're doing and the success story that's going to happen right here. And I just think that it's going to spread. We're going to have more and more Bitcoin-friendly politicians. 
We're going to have younger and younger people getting elected into office, people who see Bitcoin as like the future of the world. Like they already see it that way. And these people will rise to power as they naturally get older. So I don't think that the United States will stay like at war with Bitcoin or anything like that. I actually see there being a pretty optimistic inclusion of Bitcoin in American society. And for me, that's the only just way to do it. Bitcoin is fundamentally American. It is like the most American thing. Our government is built on freedom and personal liberty and rights and self-sovereignty and all of the things that Bitcoin really is. So I think it's a natural marriage that Bitcoin in America will thrive. Bitcoiners, I am so excited to tell you about the Bitcoin 2022 conference. You guys, Bitcoin 2021 was absolutely a smash hit success. It was over 13,000 Bitcoiners coming together, breaking the barriers on who can come together and celebrate freedom, celebrate Bitcoin, and the energy was absolutely electric. Unfortunately, it was just oversubscribed. There's just people flowing out everywhere. And this year we are learning, we are making the conference bigger and better. We are moving over to the Miami Beach Convention Center, and we are going to be throwing a massive four-day festival for Bitcoin, celebrating Bitcoin, bringing together the greatest minds in Bitcoin and the greatest businesses in Bitcoin. And lastly, the culture of Bitcoin all together. We have a four-day extravaganza planned for you guys for Bitcoin 2022. Day one is going to be industry day. It is a day where you can buy a special ticket in order to just mingle and make business deals happen. Day two and three is going to be a full-blown Bitcoin conference. This is our main conference. This is going to be on April 7th and 8th. And then lastly, we have the Sound Music Festival day four. Imagine going to Coachella, but for Bitcoin. There's going to be very few talks. It's going to be all about the culture of Bitcoin. It's going to be all about hanging with your fellow plebs. And it's going to be an absolutely amazing time. There's going to be Bitcoin musicians, Bitcoin artists, and all your favorite Bitcoiners and just an amazing environment to party and just see it all, soak it all in, and to get people to realize that a Bitcoin world, a world filled with Bitcoin people doing Bitcoin things is the world that they want to live in. That's what Bitcoin 2022 is all about. That is what the Bitcoin conference is all about. That's what Bitcoin Magazine is all about. So it is going to be a celebration of Bitcoin, the Bitcoiners, and this amazing movement that is going to make the world a better place. Go to b.tc forward slash conference. Learn more about the Bitcoin conference. Learn more about all the amazing things that are happening in Miami around the Bitcoin conference and buy your tickets. And guess what? If you buy your bit tickets with Bitcoin, you save $100 on all the tickets and $1,000 on the whale pass. So if you want the VIP pass, the, the big kahuna, if you buy with Bitcoin, you save $1,000. That's a lot of stats. So Go and do it right now today. Don't wait. Prices are only going up. This is going to be a can't miss event. Bitcoiners, let's take a break from the content. And I want to tell you about Coolbix. Coolbix is an awesome Bitcoin hardware wallet that has been around for a really long time. They are building an amazing Bitcoin wallet called the Cool Wallet Pro. The Cool Wallet Pro is state of the art. Bitcoin hardware wallet technology. Its form factor is like a credit card. You can put it into your wallet and it is designed to go with you on the go. So that way, even when you're on the go, you can have the benefit of a two-factor hardware wallet design when you're trying to spend your Bitcoin. So you can have your Bitcoin wallet UX on your phone and make it really easy to scan, decide what you want to do. But then you sign with a cool bit X, which is in your back pocket. It is tamper proof. It is waterproof. It is flexible. It has an awesome secure element in it. And it is a really awesome way in order to have some more flexibility, yet security when you're taking your Bitcoin on the go. I personally am a fan of this idea of making Bitcoin into a medium of exchange and making it into something that people use. I know it's going to take time, but they are working on the UX for making that possible in as secure a way possible. So have some peace of mind. Check out the Cool Wallet Pro from Coolbix and... Thank you to them for sponsoring this podcast. I do a show with Ansel Lindner called FedWatch, and we have some unpopular takes. And one of that, one of those takes is that the U.S. is actually very, very well suited to adopt Bitcoin and be successful in a more sovereign future, because that's what you know the U.S. was kind of built on 
to begin with. And I think we've, we've lost track of that to some degree and we've benefited from a lot of like imperialism and negative things, but the core of our success is kind of so rooted in this freedom and a core of our greatness, which I, you know, was confirmed to me that the U S is great during 2020 because we didn't bend over like Canada and Australia. We have, we have a lot more freedom and a lot more rule of law here and a lot more choice, which is a a beautiful thing to see. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. And I pray that we never been in Missouri. We won't like I, I am from Missouri and we are not for just unnecessarily controls over our lives. We probably take it too far out here. <laughs> like, you know, out here and stuff, having a couple guns, we might have 50 or hundred, like we get super into our lifestyle, but there's like a core of, I don't know, protecting Liberty that exists in the soul of Missouri. It's one of my favorite things about the people who live here is we're not going to be pushed over by any sort of authoritarian situation that may come. We'll fight to the end. Again, that that spirit is something that's rare in the world these days. I want to hear like, so you kind of outlined a little bit that you want to inspire other local governments to see the success in this. Are you talking to other kind of cities in Missouri, cities in the country? Have people been reaching out to you since your your story went more viral? What's the interest like in this? And Yeah, I guess I'll just hand it back to you. Yeah, I'm talking to all kinds of people. After the story went viral, like you said, I pretty much got a message from almost everybody, it seems like, all across St. Louis, specifically like Ferguson, their city council has reached out about doing this. And a few of the other smaller towns around as well are just reaching out and asking about the logistics of it. So they're interested in it. It's really, really exciting for them. It's something that they've never thought about most of the time. So most of the conversations that we're having are very elementary, like, yo, like, what is this? How does this even work? But other governments are starting to pay attention and more conversations are coming this week. It's like, I haven't had a break for two weeks. It's been constant conversations with so many amazing people and getting these ideas out there. But I absolutely believe that what we're doing here is going to become a bit of a blueprint. Other people are going to want to try it. Other than, you know, kind of like this Bitcoin airdrop or this Bitcoin program, what else can there be done to make Cool Valley as hospitable a place for Bitcoin innovation as possible? You know, we're seeing Wyoming make some big strides on the state level. I'm just kind of curious how you see it, maybe from a city perspective to, you know, really welcome in Bitcoin. Yeah, there's a lot of things that could happen. I mean, I've toyed with the idea of getting some businesses here that accept Bitcoin for payment, sort of like what we're seeing in El Salvador. Everyone's really excited using the Lightning Network and buying like Pizza Hut and Starbucks and all this. We can have things like that here, but I'm also interested in, I don't know, maybe attracting a really forward thinking bank, like a traditional banking system that ends up being very Bitcoin friendly. Like that would be pretty cool to have here as well. We'll see where it goes. The future is definitely unwritten. And some of these ideas, like there might be even better ideas, things that I haven't even thought about yet that appear and lay out the future and the future gets created right in front of us. We'll see. What do you think, actually, in terms of like a city? What else would you like to see a city do? You see what I'm doing now. Is there anything that you would like to see added on to that that you think could make you know, this a better city for Bitcoiners or that can make this story better for Bitcoin overall so that we inspire more people? I mean, I think Bitcoiners are just really into freedom and Bitcoiners want to minimize their costs. So in terms of just making the city business friendly in general, I think that's really good for Bitcoin. And then obviously, you know, this Bitcoin program, especially maybe if it's something that's like reoccurring, like you move and you stay here for five years, you get this airdrop, that kind of thing, instead of just like a one-time thing. I think that's something that could be a really interesting incentive to bring just remote people over, right? And I don't know that much about, you know, Missouri as a state, but it sounds like it does align with a lot of people who might be interested in in moving in the first place. I understand that a lot of stuff kind of happens on the state level and on the United States level too. So it's not that easy. And I'd be curious, like the kind of core thing to Bitcoin is, is mining, obviously. And I don't know that much about Missouri in terms of energy production. So I'm kind of curious, like, is there hope for Missouri in terms of being like a mining hub in the U.S. or is that something that's not as realistic? I'm still not sure because I feel that I'm not smart enough to have a deep enough conversation to truly understand where Missouri could go 
in terms of mining. I have had several mining operations reach out to me about potentially coming to Cool Valley to mine. And we're trying to understand like what that means and what it would look like and what our energy grid looks like. But I just don't know enough about mining on a technical level to know how it would work in Missouri. But in terms of a legislative level, I see Missouri as having a phenomenal hope of being a very Bitcoin forward state. This is a state with a strong uh, libertarian bend to it. People are very, very, very into the ethos that created Bitcoin. And our politicians are actually very, very much forward in the state legislature. And I can see our governor being forward. So it would be cool to see Missouri become more like a Wyoming. You know how Wyoming you know, let Kraken get a charter and are doing so many groundbreaking things out there with crypto legislation. I would like to see Missouri go in that direction. And I'm optimistic that we will. That's so bullish. Yeah, there's so many, again, like the US is amazing because of the competition among states. And I think that is something that's extremely underrated. I guess, Jason, if you had to, you know, make an ask to the Bitcoiners out there, either to like support you, look into Missouri, look into Cool Valley, you know, I don't know what that is, but you clearly have interacted with the Bitcoin community a lot. Like what would be that ask? What would be that? How, how would you reach out to the Bitcoin magazine audience? I would say just support us when the time comes. There may be a time where this does become a recurring thing, like you said, not just a one-time airdrop. And if people want to support this financially to make this a success, I think that that would be one of the most beautiful stories in all of Bitcoin to see like the community at large, people who live all over the place coming together to support this initiative in this small town that doesn't really affect them but does affect the community at large and affects the story of Bitcoin. So one of the things that I'm noticing is we already had the money to do the $500 in Bitcoin. So I wasn't raising money when I made this announcement at all. But as soon as this announcement came out, now all of a sudden we have more people who want to donate money than we can actually fill, right? Like we only need $1.5 million, give or take. So we're getting a lot more offers and what I'm doing now is trying to broaden who is a part of this so that it's not just me and a couple of partners that we're working with. I would like as many people in the community who are inspired by this story to be able to be a part of the story. A lot of people have told me that this is historic. They're seeing this as a history making moment because it is a first in the United States. And I just think it would be so beautiful to see everyone be able to be a part of that. To be able to look back and say, like, I gave a little bit of money to like get that ball rolling. So that would be my ask is that if you interact with me on Clubhouse or social media, there may come a time where I am raising more money for this. And it'd be great to see the community get behind it. I would love to see everyone from miners to just people all over the world. We have crypto hedge fund managers helping us out right now. We have major corporations helping us out. I want to see that just get bigger and bigger. As many people as can help. I would like to see that happen. I just think it would be an amazing, beautiful story that really shows Bitcoin in a positive light to the rest of the world. I mean, that's a strong ask and I love it. Bitcoiners out there, you know, become a part of history. You know, we've been a part of El Salvador. We can be a part of Cool Valley. When when do you think that this is actually going to become a real thing? Like, is there any kind of any sort of uh, target in terms of when the airdrop might might become official? Yeah, it should be official by the end of this year. We could do it technically tomorrow. But like I said, so many people are reaching out that I want to leave this open for a few more months and really see everyone who wants to be a part of this. But we do have an amazing partner right now in terms of custody and in terms of uh, an exchange to buy the Bitcoin from and in terms of cold storage as well. So a lot of that stuff is already worked out. And it could be by the end of this year is really the plan. I'm going to leave this open for a few more months, continue to tell the story, find a way to invite anyone who wants to be a part of this to play some role in it. And by the end of the year, we'll be rocking and rolling. That's awesome. All right. Well, hey, Jason, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I guess as one last thing, like, are you on Twitter? Where can people find you? What's your clubhouse hand handle as well? What are the, the easy spots for people to reach out? I am on Clubhouse. That's what I got. Mayor Jason Stewart. 
I think my username is like Jason28, J-A-Y-S-O-N 28. So please follow me on there. We're talking about Bitcoin on there all the time. Uh, I also have a LinkedIn if people want to find me on there. And maybe I'll have to create a Twitter because it seems like the Bitcoin Twitter space is just insane. <laughs> like there's so much going on that I think I'm missing. But right now, Clubhouse is the way to reach me. I love Clubhouse. I just think it's a way to have like these natural conversations. You know what I mean? Like a real conversation, not just a soundbite back and forth, little short messages. So yeah, find no. me on Clubhouse, Mayor Jason Stewart. I would love to interact with more and more people who share this vision. I mean, Jason, as soon as you get off this call, download Twitter and you need to create an account because I think you're going to okay. be very pleasantly surprised with what Twitter has to offer in terms of information gathering, as well as the audio component too. Spaces, it's a little different than Clubhouse. I would say Clubhouse maybe is a little smoother. They kind of figured out the audio thing a little better, but the network effect is on Twitter, man. The people are on Twitter. So you well, got to check you it out. Are you going to follow me if I make one? Oh, 100%. So, you know. I'm going to have no it, followers. <laughs> I guarantee you that is going to change real quick, especially after this podcast. Uh, I think the Bitcoiners are going to love you, man. And you need to break into Twitter for sure. God bless you. I will listen to that advice. That seems like sound advice. So are, are we done talking? This was like short, man. This was a great time. I can't believe we're done. I want to tell the Bitcoiners to follow you on Twitter. When you make the Twitter, it'll be in the show notes. Follow me at CK underscore Snarks, follow Bitcoin Magazine. You know, we're putting out the best content in Bitcoin. We're getting the best people on the podcast. The, the man's going to have 50,000 followers before we know it because he's just moving and shaking like <laughs> no the, the Lord Fusitsu of the US. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if you know who that gentleman is, but he is a, a Tongan Lord who's quite into Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've talked to him on Clubhouse. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, that guy's roaming on Twitter all the time, too. So, yeah. Bitcoiners, check out the podcast. Check out Jason. Follow him on Clubhouse. Follow him on Twitter. Follow me, like I said. And yeah, five star reviews. You know the drill. Peace. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah.